Good morning, listeners. It is currently Friday, April 10th, and you are listening to today's episode of The 5-Minute Drill, brought to you by L5 Media. For today's episode, you can expect something a little different, listeners. Yes, Simi and I still promise to get you today's news in under five minutes. However, be sure to stick around at the end of the episode because Simi and I have a little treat for you. In particular, we had the opportunity to speak with President Gregory Hess of Wabash College about how this pandemic has affected higher education, and we hope you all find his input as valuable as we did. But before we get there, let's go ahead and see what's going on in the world today. Simi, why don't you go ahead and start us off with a quick update on the virus? Yeah, so we've officially surpassed 1.5 million cases globally, and 450,000 of those cases have been in the U.S., However, experts believe the number is much higher since lack of widespread testing, false negatives, and differences in reporting standards have made it very difficult to track the true number of total infections. So this is definitely scaling at a rapid rate, Simi, and outside of the drastic effects that this pandemic is wreaking on human lives, it has also led to a stockpile of debt for both the private and public sectors. Right now, we're seeing the federal budget deficit increase substantially, and Goldman Sachs predicts it will reach nearly $3.6 trillion for this fiscal year and $2.4 trillion for next year. On top of that, economists are worried that high levels of private sector debt could seriously slow this recovery process, especially if businesses and households begin to focus on rebuilding their savings rather than allocating funds towards consumption and investment opportunities. Wow. And over the past couple of months, we've seen everything ranging from Congress passing multiple stimulus packages to the Fed lending aid in ways that we've never seen before. Interestingly enough, the Federal Reserve just announced their plans to continue lending to large companies by supporting risky bonds that have recently lost their investment grade status. Experts believe these lending programs will provide up to $2.3 trillion in loans, and the Fed is expected to add additional programs as a way to potentially reduce long-lasting damage to the U.S. economy. And in addition to this recent Fed relief program, Simi, yesterday State Farm announced that they will be offering their own form of aid to consumers. In particular, the automobile insurance company will be cutting nearly $2 billion worth of premiums owed on over 40 million vehicles. This relief program adds to the $5 billion that had previously been offered by other car insurance companies and is expected to benefit roughly 21 million homes across the country. And on top of the mounting debt load, we're also experiencing a rapid increase in jobless claims as a result of most of the economy being shut down. Yesterday, the Labor Department reported that nearly 6.6 million Americans submitted applications for unemployment insurance last week. And that's in addition to the 6.9 million from the week before and the 3.3 million from the week before that. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell expressed that we are quote-unquote moving with alarming speed from 50-year lows in unemployment to what will likely be very high, although temporary, levels. And this level of economic disruption has really started to stimulate a conversation on when it will be a good time to begin easing restrictions and get the economy up and running again, Simi. On the one hand, public health officials have been weary and continue to err on the side of caution. But on the other hand, President Trump has been fairly adamant about expediting this process, and the Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin even weighed in on the discussion, claiming that the U.S. economy could be up and running again by the end of May. And outside of coronavirus-related matters, let's not forget about the other battle the markets are grappling with right now. That is the oil price war. Yesterday brought forth the highly anticipated meeting between the oil-producing giants, and everything worked out pretty nicely, all things considered. 
Saudi Arabia and Russia agreed in principle on a deal to execute the largest organized oil production cut in decades. However, oil prices did fall to $23 a barrel by the end of the day. And speaking of oil prices, what did we see going on with markets, Darian? Well, that help from the Fed and their announcement to continue offering aid to small businesses that we mentioned earlier in the episode helped boost markets as all major indexes jumped nearly 1% yesterday. And this capped off the best week for U.S. stocks since 1974. And with that, now we're going to go ahead and wrap things up today in terms of news, which means it's time for that special treat we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, listeners. So, Simi, why don't you go ahead and take it from here? Yeah, thanks, Darian. So today we have the pleasure of speaking to President Hess of Wabash College. President Hess, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Simon. So with everything going on right now, there are a lot of questions about what kind of implications will there be for higher education. So I'd like to start off by asking, what exactly does the current state of higher education look like amid this pandemic? Well, it's been severely disrupted and it's very uncertain. And I wish I could, uh, you know, wrap a, a neat little bow on that, but it's still uh, evolving overall. A great liberal arts college like, you know, Wabash College, which does a lot of close, uh, very, you know, intimate, personal conversations between faculty and students have now had to switch that to an entirely new platform. And the learning curve is incredibly steep. And, you know, there are a lot of really dedicated faculty who've gone out there and tried to climb that curve really quickly, but uh, it's really stretched them uh you know, in ways they would have never imagined. Uh, and student life the same way, too. Uh, not many students felt like they would be spending their post-spring break uh, living at home or living in a situation like that. We're still trying to make sure that the brotherhood's intact and, and the friendships uh, remain intact. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's what all small liberal arts colleges are trying to do right now, and it's stretching us hard. Absolutely. So I guess what kind of impact do you think this will have on colleges in the next few years? And how do you anticipate colleges will have to adjust? Well, you know, we're still really struggling with the first curve right now. Everybody's, you know, talking about flattening the curve, flattening the curve. But what people don't really talk about is that colleges are really thinking hard about what that second curve is going to be like. Everybody's worried about well, what happens when you know, we get everybody back together and people start socializing and, you know, human behavior being what it is, people gather and it makes the, uh, you know, the, the virus start to, uh, you know, get deeper into our, uh, into our relationships. Uh, and, you know, at, at that point, you know, we've had to do a lot of contingency planning. So you're going to see a lot of colleges and universities attention just being thrown on contingency planning. What if, you know, we have to start a couple of weeks late? What if we, you know, have to stop things in the middle for two weeks and make everybody, you know, be socially distant for a few weeks and tamp everything down. So, you know, I think things are going to be disruptive for, uh, you know, the next, uh, you know, year or so, uh, you know, on, you know, but and colleges have to prepare for that. Right. I mean, I can only imagine. But last question, and it's a bit open ended. How should parents and students be preparing with all of this uncertainty ahead? You know, uh, you know, there's going to be some economic implications from this, and they aren't going to be uh, very positive, you know, for young people and, you know, for you know, people who are, you know, who are going to be out of jobs. Uh, and so I tell people, you know, you have to be really just very intentional skill builders and to do it across a wide range of activities. The way a lot of most economic, you know, recessions happen is that it reallocates people and reallocates resources across sectors. And you've got to have enough talents and enough, uh, you know, skills to, to work across those different areas. So I would encourage parents and students to, you know, encourage to think about getting, gaining a wide 
variety of talents and skills to help them uh, weather the, you know, the economic fallout that's going to happen over the next couple of quarters, maybe two, three quarters. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, thank you so much, President Hess, for providing us with such valuable insight. I'm hopeful a lot of people will be able to learn something from this interview. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Simran. And on that note, folks, that's all we've got for you today. Enjoy your weekend, get some rest, and we will catch you bright and early Monday morning as we continue our journey to redefine how you experience news. Mm-hmm.